Shabbat Shalom. I have this sense of deja vu like I was here once before. Wait a minute, I was here once before. And it is a, a privilege to um, have our wonderful clergy and choir director uh, uplift our worship on the wings of prayer. It's just, it's so wonderful to be here um, and to see the traditions that you are renewing in so many wonderful ways and to see offices of the congregation here, my dear friend Rabbi Alan Bennett and, and so many other dear friends. Thank you for um, indulging me on this occasion. It's, um, it's been five years since I've stood up here and uh, had a chance. So, you know, the, 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 the story of the, um, I'm going off a script now, of the, um, the snowstorm and the farmer uh, who shows up at uh, church and he's the only worshiper, and so the preacher decides, well, he'll just, he'll, he'll give him everything. Uh, and when he was done, the, 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 the preacher said to the farmer, how'd I do? He says, preacher, he says, you know, when I put out the food for the animals, if only one shows up, I don't give him the whole load. <laughs> so hopefully I'm not gonna give you the whole load tonight. Um, but I do have a, a, a homework assignment for our bat mitzvah, um, and I hope that she will uh, take it seriously. Probably no one here tonight has made note of an obituary for Thomas J.J. Altizer, who died in November, which is surprising because his theological orientation merited a stark April 8, 1966, Time magazine cover in black with bold red letters that pointedly asked, is God dead? I see a few heads shaking. Now all he earned in Time magazine was a teeny little reproduction of the column uh, in uh, just a, a, a little note uh, that he had uh, passed on to his eternal reward, maybe. Uh, Dr. Altheiser, who taught at Emory University, questioned whether a benevolent God could exist in light of World War II and in light of the Holocaust. This God is no longer present, is no longer manifest, and is no longer real, he said. Time magazine focused mostly on how science and secularism were supplanting religion. But in a country where 97% of the adults back then believed in God, it touched off such ferocious backlash against the magazine and led to the vilification of Dr. Altizer, who was something of a showman himself. He was quickly ushered off the stage of the Merv Griffin show after pandemonium broke out in the audience and was greeted at the stage door by demonstrators demanding his death. Altizer was one of the country's most hated, most misunderstood, radical, and prophetic voices of the past century, said theologian Jordan Miller, who considered Dr. Altizer to be his mentor. A tongue-in-cheek obituary appeared in the New York Times, meant to mock the death of God theologians. Atlanta, Georgia, God, creator of the universe, died late yesterday during major surgery undertaken to correct a massive diminishing influence. 
His exact age is not known and the cause of death could not be immediately determined. The president was described by aides as profoundly upset and directed all flags to be flown at half staff. Congress met in Washington and promptly adjourned after passing a joint resolution expressing grief and great respect for the departed spiritual leader. One senator objected on the grounds that the resolution violated the principle of separation of church and state, but was overruled by the vice president who remarked that this is not a time for partisan politics. Reaction from the world's great and from the man in the street was uniformly incredulous. At least he's out of his misery, commented one housewife in Elmira, in an Elmira, New York supermarket. An elderly retired streetcar conductor in Passaic, New Jersey, best summed up the public reaction. I never met him, of course, never even saw him. But from my, what I heard, I guess he was a real nice fellow, tops. From Independence, Missouri, President Harry Truman said, it's a damn shame. In Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, former President Dwight Eisenhower and Mrs. Eisenhower declared, Mrs. Eisenhower joins me in heartfelt sympathy to the family and many friends of the late God. Those of us who were privileged to know him admire the probity of his character, the breadth of his compassion, and the depth of his intellect. One Protestant theologian informed of the death of God declared, I don't know who died in Atlanta, but whoever it was, he's an imposter. God's surgeon stated that the death was not unexpected. He had been ailing for some time and lived much longer than most people thought possible. The doctor continued, God was an excellent patient, cheerful, compliant, alert. Every modern, every comfort of modern, of modern science could provide him was made available to him. He did not suffer. He just as it was slipped away from our grasp. When the winds of change sweep across society, zealous atheists attempt to discredit divinity. The Greeks coined the word atheos, meaning godlessness in a time when doubts were rising about the efficacy of the Greek pantheon. Socrates was convicted of atheism and drank the hemlock. Atheism took root in 17th century England with the rise of capitalism. Philosopher Thomas Hobbes dismissed the religion as lies and fled to France, where he was welcomed by Voltaire and other French intellectuals who took up the challenge. The turbulent end of the 19th century produced many dramatic comments about the death of God with Nietzsche and Heidegger, its most recognized proponents. And of course, this credo was embraced by the former Soviet Union as the central state dogma. And I would note as a sidebar that Karl Marx, who of course embraced atheism, was the, was the uh, son of a rabbi. Judaism has had its shares of atheists, humanists, and secularists, including the brilliant second century stage, sage Elisha ben Abuya, who although not an atheist, believed that there was no just higher power. He witnessed the accidental premature death of a child who died fulfilling several mitzvot, each one would grant long life. 
when he sent the boy up the ladder to shoo away the mother bird before taking her eggs. Alicia lost his faith, declaring, late Dean, the late Diane, there is no judge and there is no justice. Ten years ago, there was a resurgence of atheists. Richard Dawkins, author of The God Delusion, concluded, the God of the Old Testament is a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, megalomaniacal, these are a lot of uh, descriptions, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. And he enumerated the crimes committed in God's name. War, persecution of minorities, terrorism, closing of children's minds, oppression of those with alternative sexual orientation. And he concluded that religion's disappearance would be an unmitigated good. Likewise, Christopher Hitchens' book, Religion Poisons Everything, holds that those who continue to believe in the unbelievable are morons, lunatics, or liars, and portrays creationists as yokels, Islam as a rather obvious and ill-arranged set of plagiarisms, Hanukkah as vapid and annoying holiday, and King David as an unscrupulous bandit. I guess he didn't like God very much. He says that terrorism is the result of religion itself and not religious extremism because religion by its very nature educates believers to hate non-believers and encourages slaughter and conquest for God's greater glory and therefore compels people to behave cruelly and violently. Thus, a world without religious faith would result in no Arab-Israeli conflict because religious belief only aggravates such conflict, but it's the explicit cause of such conflict. In short, he and others see no redeeming value in religion, unlike atheist Sigmund Freud, who despite a lifelong devotion to the cause of atheism, held that taking God into one's mind immeasurably enriches an individual by advancing introspective intellectual efforts. Pirkei Avot provides a terse comment. Lo hamidrash hu ha'ikar ela hama'aseh. It is not the exposition of Torah that is fundamental. What matters mostly is doing the divine commanded charitable acts. I want to repeat that one more time. It is not the exposition of the Torah that is fundamental, but what matters most is doing the divinely commanded charitable acts. That is the meaning of mitzvah. We act in a civilized way because that is what the tradition teaches that God demands of us. Without God and without God's mitzvot, anything is permissible. For Judaism, doing God's commanded acts is what matters most. Nevertheless, there is no test of faith to become a member of a synagogue. What then is the authority of mitzvot if you do not believe in a commander? 
Do you think God cares about what we do? Does it matter in leading a principled life? Does Judaism care about whether or not we act in a God-like way? However you may think of God, are there things you might do otherwise if you believed in an active commanding God? Rabbi Moshe Lee believed that every impulse, good or bad, could be put to the service of God. Even, even the denial of God is a way of serving others. How could the denial of God become a way of serving God? Even disbelief must have some purpose, he thought, or God would not have created it. He fell into deep thought, and when he realized that even this impulse could be, could, could be put to good use, he taught, if someone comes to you and asks for your help, you must not say, have faith, God will help you. You must act as if there were no God, as if help could only come from you. And then you must take the place of God, as it were, and act with loving kindness. This approach to spirituality and service is summarized by the terse statement of Rabbi Chaim Stern in the Gates of Prayer prayer book. Pray as if everything depends on God. Act as if everything depends on you. Moshe Lieb affirms that even the non-believer can live a life of mitzvot. A Talmudic comment holds that hachnasat orchim, providing hospitality to a stranger, is more important than study or even the worship of God. Genesis anticipates the Israelites' long stateless sojourn in Egypt with the comment, know well that your offspring shall be strangers in a land that is not theirs. The Torah is even more explicit in welcoming guests in Mishpatim, this week's Torah portion. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not oppress a stranger, ve'atem yidatem et nefesh hager, for you know the soul of the stranger, having yourselves been strangers in the land of Israel. With 36 warnings against inappropriate behavior toward the stranger, no other commandment is referred to as frequently as thou shalt love the stranger, because the stranger that sojourneth with you shall be unto you as the homeborn among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thus the spirit of the Jewish mission is the search for sparks of divinity that make us more human and more sympathetic to the suffering of others. The challenge for us is how we can be better Jews. So I offer a recommendation and a homework assignment for our bat mitzvah and for everyone else here, even if you're not having a bar or bat mitzvah, by eavesdropping on two men in conversation. The first one said, I count my blessings. That's great, good for you, countered the second one somewhat dismissively. No, 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 I literally count my blessings. I keep them here in this little notebook. And when I think of it, I number it, and I put it on the list. 
You're kidding me. It's just something I do. Number one, my health. That's pretty basic. Number two, I can still go bowling even with my bad elbow. Number 1,943, I like teaching and I'm good at teaching. Number 2,845, it's quiet and warm in my apartment in the morning and I can always have a cup of tea and look out my window. I mean, that's a blessing. That's an honest-to-goodness blessing, right? Number 3,971, turkey jerky. <laughs> turkey jerky. I'm at 7,904 right now. 7,904 blessings. You've counted 7,000 blessings? How long did it take? It started when I was 12. I had a fortune cookie. It said, count your blessings. So my recommendation for Mimi and for all of you and for me is not necessarily to count our blessings, but to count our mitzvot. I'm coming to your house in a year, and I want to see your list. I know where you live. We should keep a list and add an entry every time we fulfill a mitzvah. We all already have earned several here tonight. Shalom Bayit, domestic tranquility, hachnasat orchim, hospitality to strangers, Talmud Torah, Jewish learning, ne'emanut, faithfulness, chesed, benevolent goodness, tikkun olam, healing a broken world, kiddush, candlelighting, challah. We're all off to a good start. So let's go home and keep the mitzvah list going. Amen.